Welcome to the Short Rod Show. You got Ben in the studio today. We're going to do a little bit of a different episode for you guys. Uh, pretty excited about it. We have a very special guest joining us uh, today with an interview we just recorded. Uh, should be very relevant to this time of year. Anybody that fishes uh, up in northern Iowa knows something about yellow bass. And we have a very special guest talking yellow bass today. His name is Brady Bach. He's a guide with Tempe's Guide Service and also very well known in the tournament circuit and just an expert on yellow bass. Uh, just goes out there and catches a pile of them. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. We sure enjoyed talking with them. And we'll catch you next time on the Short Rod Show. Hey, welcome everybody. Today we have a very special guest with us in the studio. Uh, on the phone with us is Brady Bach. So if you guys are around in the uh, northern region of Iowa, you've heard his name. Yeah, he's put the hammer on you. Uh, I would I would venture to say Brady is the foremost expert on yellow bass fishing. What do you think? What do you think of that, Brady? I, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I got out of Clear Lake. Uh, I've been targeting yellows my whole life. It's actually got me into ice fishing. Um, first time I ever ice fished was that first yellow bass bonanza like seven years ago. And oh, nice. Yeah, we weighed in one fish line and you know come a long way since then. Sweet. So we'll get into that here in a little bit. I'm glad to hear that you fished that the entire time. That's pretty because cool. that tournament yep. has definitely changed from that those initial years to where it is now. Um, Correct. So yeah, we can definitely touch on that some here later on. But uh, yeah, just give us a little rundown of uh, who Brady is and kind of yeah, what do you what do you get out? How's your ice fishing season been this year? Uh, that sort I've of deal. Been a- we, uh, it's been a phenomenal ice season in regards to having a good local bite and guide season. Um, unfortunately, with COVID, you know, a lot of our tournaments have, have already canceled and yep. tournament season hasn't been all that active, but we've managed to fish two of them so far. We got seventh at the NISD event at Boji and then third at Prairie Rose, which was two days ago. So, Oh, nice. Cool. Cool. Managed to get a few tournaments in. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but... Yeah, go tell me a little bit about that Prairie Rose because we I had looked at that and I obviously yeah with that and uh, uh, I got a little thing going on with my eye with some fish slime uh, so I didn't make <laughs> it out. Story. But uh, <laughs> how'd how'd that tournament go? That was pretty good. Um, phenomenal fish size in that lake. Awesome bluegills, awesome crappies. Um, we ended up weighing eleven nine seven for seven crappies and seven gills. We unfortunately did not get into any sunfish though. Dang, there was like a separate. Was seven seven and two, but yep. nice. um, Chad Angel won it with fifteen pounds, which is an absolute beast of a bag. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. So he obviously uh, found the signs for sixteen. Yeah, fifteen pounds for sixteen fishes. Holy smokes! Know, <laughs> incredible. That's yep. ridiculous. Holy cow! Uh, yeah. So go in a little bit. So we neither Ben or I really. Uh, frankly, I'm terrible at ice fishing yellow bass. I can catch them all day long <laughs> on a bobber and a worm, but, uh, or a minnow, um, open water, but, uh, go a little bit and feel free to, you know, be as general or specific as you want. Uh, a little bit about kind of how you go about targeting yellow bass. Um, I know in some lakes, you know, like you got Lake Cornelia or something like that, that they're just overrun and guys are trying to get them out of there. But then you got other lakes like Clear Lake where, Frankly, if you're looking to catch a big yellow bass, that's the place to go. Uh, kind of how does that differ, yeah. or how do you target something like that? So I think the biggest factor is how either populated or overpopulated the yellows are in the system. 
you know, Clear Lake receives very high fishing pressure and has mm-hmm. a better predator base compared to Cornelia. So these yellows are able to be kept in check. And that's where we're seeing this better size where something like Cornelia just does not get much fishing pressure. And yeah. it's right now, it's just overrun with those three to five inch dinks right now. So how do, you, how do you sift through those three to five inch dinks? Or you don't, you just try to pile them up you, as, you as fast don't. as you can. You just pile them up. Yeah. So what are you, what are you um, using? What are you doing? <laughs> anything, anything you're confident in. Now, yeah. me, I'm a spoon guy. I prefer bare spoons and actually like a cast master, a pinhead, or a forge minnow. Oh, my yeah. three go-tos. But I would say run whatever you're confident with because really with yellows, I don't think it matters as much as people like to think it does. Yeah. You know, I used to get caught up on running a certain color type or profile or something. And realistically, you're looking for finding the right fish versus getting them to bite. Generally, they will always bite. Yeah. Yeah. Once you've, once you're on they're, them, they're going to hit it. That's what you're saying. Yeah. They're pretty aggressive. I mean, yeah. sometimes you might have to change if you tip it with something, whether it's spike or cut bait. You know, I prefer a bare spoon just so I don't have to rebate. Yep. Yeah, I have seen. I have heard a lot of folks will cut a little belly off of them. Uh, yep. To put on the put on the hook. If you take a just a knife and make that little slit behind the dorsal fin, and yeah, just that little sliver of white meat, and you hook it right through that skin, and that skin will hold it on your hook, and you, know, you can catch ten to twenty fish per piece of bait, if hmm. not more. Dang. You know, yellow bass. Speed is the name of the game, both in terms of being efficient finding them with mobility and then staying on top of them yep. if you have a hot hole you want to call your buddy over and just tag team that hole back and forth keep those fish feeding and aggressive and enticed to your hole versus them just roaming through and having to chase them back down yeah so that's gonna be my next point so as you're as you're sitting there uh you can keep them entertained if you got something down there but the sec if you're yep. if you don't have anything down there they'll just keep rolling through correct yeah hmm that's pretty interesting, and it's really a unique bite for the yellow bass bite because when you think about uh, any other kind of fish, you generally want to be quiet. You want to keep keep your buddies fishing their hot holes and, and running around on the ice, making yep. noise is going to be scaring away a crappies, crappie school or perch school. Or, yep. yep, and that was actually a whole topic I was going to mention earlier is just how, you know, since I've had live scope, the biggest thing I've learned is just how spookish fish can be. Yeah. And it, I don't understand what causes them to, you know, we had one day up at Emmitsburg on Five Island where we had a 50-foot school of yellows out in 20 feet of water, like six to eight inches of ice, and us just walking on top of the ice would spook them. Yep. I mean, I'm not kidding. We spent an hour chasing these things. We had no cleats on. I mean, we were bear crawling on the ice at one point just trying to get on <laughs> top of them, and on the live scope, you're just watching them just fly away. And now you could go back the next day in five foot of water with a gas auger, blurring metal music just making all the commotion in the world drill on five feet of water and they wouldn't care you just you're yep. loaded up right beneath you so so I what you're saying why sometimes it's better just not to know it's just not to know now that you know that they're Correct. spooky now you're now you're <laughs> yeah. scratching your head going crazy yep where if you just yep. don't know you just don't know no i've yep. seen the exact so i've got you know the the ps22 uh original panoptics and yeah uh i've seen the same thing even just Ben walking, like, I'll be like, oh, fish, fish, fish. And he'll, just him walking over, you'll see those fish scatter. And Yep, that's all it takes. Sometimes. It's amazing. And since having a live scope, I very rarely ever fish with cleats now, just yep. because that sole reason how easy they spook. And 
my first few years fishing the YDB, if you had a hot hole, you just drill a second hole next to it so you could both be fishing, which, you know, in practicality sounds awesome, but yep. what I'm seeing now is by drilling that second hole, you're just spooking the fish beneath you. Even yep. though they're aggressive and feeding under that hole, that second hole a lot of the times just slides them off to the side. Dang. So it's a lot more beneficial to me to just tag team a hole versus drilling yep. a second hole. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, kind of continuing on. So, you know, we kind of covered Cornelia, which like you'd mentioned is, uh, you know, frankly overpopulated and there's not really a lot of skill or tactic to getting on those fish. I mean, you drill a hole, they'll find you. Correct. It, you can go most places in Cornelia and drill a hole and be on yell, be on yellow, especially if you fish anywhere on that North end, you know, in that deep hole, there's one lone deep hole in the North end and that's where 95, 99% of all the fishing is going on. Yep. Um, there's a little bit of strategy to get some of those yellows in that maybe seven to eight inch range. It's not as many of them, hmm. not nearly as many of them, but you can fish in shallower water or just, you know, if you're catching three to five inch yellows consistently, let's say five or 10 in a row, I'll bump 20 yards one way and catch another bunch of fish and see if any of them are bigger. Oh yeah. I see, I tend to see the kind of school by size a little bit yeah. and, um, I think it was two years uh, last last season when Chad Angel fished that tournament against us. He beat us by a whopping amount of weight because he was able to find those bigger schools of fish. So it can definitely be done oh, with yeah. some hard work. So they do school. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, a little yellow bass behavior. Could, could, and, and Brady, I was interested too, for those of our listeners that you know aren't sure what yellow bass are, can you explain what yellow bass are, what they're all about, just what makes them fun to catch, what's kind of unique yeah, about them? They're an invasive species. Um, they grow super, very rapidly. I believe it's like mostly four to five years to get to you know, the state that we like to harvest them. And um, they're very, very prolific. And to most lakes, they're pretty damaging because of the fact they're so prolific, they just take over the whole lake. Mm-hmm. And right now we're seeing them pop up all across Iowa and southern Minnesota just from people kind of self-stocking them themselves. And eventually these fish are breeding and getting out of control like what we're seeing at Cornelia. Man, self-stocking a yellow bass just seems ridiculous to me. But yes, yeah, you and don't know what so you're doing. So many lakes now in Iowa wow. where yep, there's not they're not completely taken over yet. But you know, lakes like uh, Big Woods and Blackhawk County, or lakes like Elm Lake, Kennebec, yep. Belmont, which where I'm from. Yep. So I've noticed just popping up. I've noticed a lot of like these uh, big mass take all the fish out type tournaments are coming up, uh, and you fish quite a bit of those. Uh, so what do you think of those? Yep. Are those uh, the, I, do those I make them. a dent that, to them? Yes, I would 100% agree because, you know, a lot of guys think that, well, let's say 2,000 fish are taken from a tournament. You know, some skeptics might say 2,000 fish won't change much. Yep. Correct. But what you don't see is the numbers of fish harvested pre-fishing and the amount of returning anglers that lake. Yep. And Lake Cornelia is a great example because, you know, I live 10 minutes from Lake Cornelia and growing up on it, you might see 10 guys ice fishing that three yellows growing up no one ever touched that lake and hmm. since randy has hosted that tournament and brought attention to that lake now you're seeing you know, 25 to maybe even 50 people on any given saturday or sunday oh, yeah. out there fishing which is awesome to see cause of all those yellows taken out and now we're seeing that size is just kind of starting to creep back up yep yeah it wasn't and, that long ago i mean no one had ever even heard of cornelian and that's that's kind of a little bit of the power you know your social media that we talked about last episode ben was now, yeah, like you say, now you see a handful of people out there 
uh, start picking off a few and yep. making a big difference out there. And, yeah, and I mean, you just see piles yeah. of fish coming out of these tournaments. Yeah. And the amount harvested, like you said, it might be 2,000, it might be 10,000, right? But yep. that makes a huge difference overall, and, and especially when you're doing it year over year. Yep. And I think that's Correct. that's what's really cool about using a tournament as a fish management tool to where you can tailor that tournament based on the fishing conditions on that lake for, for you know that given year. Yep. So I know that's changed too with uh, Clear Lake and the yellow bass bonanza and that kind of set up yeah before we jump into that quick because i think that's gonna be a whole topic there because well because i want to <laughs> touch a little bit on how you find them when they're not prolific like that also but uh well we're still on this big the big mass thing uh yep. and those tournaments are starting to pop up and you're kind of you're well versed in those types of tournaments for a guy that's listening hasn't done them before uh what would be a tip for uh getting out there to try to participate in something like one of those yellow bass tournaments like that well, first off, have fun. I think that's the most important thing. But for guys that want to go out there and you know do well, I think the big thing is find quality fish. This was a yep. mistake we made in the past where we thought we could you know, get more numbers versus size, and we could not have been more wrong about that. Mm. Look for the bigger fish because catching one seven-inch yellow will outweigh, let's say, three or four of those little dinky yellows. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and Man, that's a, a good more tip. Yeah, wow. Time-consuming to find those and get catch lesser of those. Yep. compared to just constantly dropping down 20 feet, catching a three-inch yellow that weighs next to nothing, a potato chip, and then reeling it in, unhooking, and repeating that process. Yeah. See, that's what I really thought you were going to say was just fish as fast as you can and catch as, small, as many small ones as you could. But no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. That was my philosophy growing up. That's what I always did. You know, I ran like a snare spoon or like a, the shucks jiggers, you know, something heavy to get down there. That was kind yep. of my mentality. And, you know, it turns out I was wrong and, and how you how you learn and progress, I guess. Hmm. Interesting. No, no, yeah. Continue but, um, with the YBB now, Ben. Sorry. So, so Brady, you mentioned you started fishing, you know, yellow bass style tournaments like seven years ago. Just, just talk us right. through your progression in your your fishing career, because you're you're not you're not an old person by any means, right? You're <laughs> no. you're on the younger end. You're younger than than uh, we are. Uh, but but talk through your career so far, because that's that's pretty impressive to me. Uh, the amount of scope and, and, you know, your success fishing, basically, that you've had. I'd actually, I'll start from day one. I actually uh, got started fishing all in all from Kevin Paul like seven and a half years ago. It was the summer before that first YBB. Uh, Dad took me out on a guided trip for yellows for my birthday, and we caught like 280 of them. And <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been hooked on yellows ever since. And... Um, and that was back when they were first small. Two, correct, yeah. <laughs> you know, eight inches back then was pretty good. And uh, yep. those first two YBBs, the first YBB was the first time I ever ice fishing. And we borrowed a hand auger, had the old Walmart $10 blue combo. And oh, yeah. No electronics whatsoever. You drilled two holes and you sat there. And I was fortunate. I actually won two raffles that first year and won two shacks, an auger, and a sled. So I had a nice little base of gear Dang it. off that tournament. And the following year, I got a flasher, and these next kind of two to three years were kind of my main learning years. Yep. Me getting into ice fishing, learning, getting the gear, which, you know, as a kid in high school at the time, that was a big thing is getting that gear. Yep. So really uh, getting the gear and then starting to figure out what, what you're doing out there sort of deal. Yep. That and kind of touching base on what you guys talked about last week. You know, when I was learning, I spent a lot of time on groups like Ice Shanty and yep. 
uh, end up outdoors reading all these forms, a clear lake thread on ice shanty that's like 150 pages long. That thing helped me more than anything at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, guys aren't afraid. If you sift through it enough, guys aren't afraid to give you some gems in there. But you really got to sift through some shit to get to it. But yeah, it's not all good. (laughs) But yeah, there's a there's a big wealth of knowledge in those in those forums. And even going back, you know, if you were to look at posts from ten years ago, there's some relevant information in there. And and fishing cyclical too, so that can come back around and and help you. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. So so what are you doing now, Brady? What can we find you doing throughout the winter season up uh, in northern Iowa? Well, right now, I'm actually in college on Mondays, Tuesdays, and then some Wednesdays, depending on what my weekly schedule consists of. And either Tuesday night or Wednesday night, I'll drive back home and either do guide trips from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or I'll be out hopefully pre-fishing and competing in a tournament. You're welcome to plug your guide trip deal here if you'd like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, talk about that. That's pretty cool. Oh, sweet. Yep. So I'm guiding through Tempe's Guide Service, and... Yeah, we've been on a pretty good bite lately so far this winter. Uh, nice. Crappies, catfish. Crappies, catfish, yellow is kind of been the main three species we've been targeting. But So are you the one keeping Alex on the fish, or is he just kind of pointing you in the direction? <laughs> a little vice versa there. We took uh, it's a little bit of that. So uh, what was that? This past spring, uh, he, he had posted on Facebook or something. You know, he, he had an opening this weekend. Uh, it, it had to have been like March, April. Some, sometime like COVID first started, and I'm like, Damn it, I'm yep. tired of sitting here at my desk. <laughs> so I called my buddy Sean, and I was like, hey, he's got half off, 200 bucks, four-hour trip. Let's just go. It ended up being his dad picked us up in Clear Lake. Uh, I don't remember what his dad's name is now. In like a 1989 Lund. And we were like, all right, here we're getting into it now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't catch shit the whole time, but it was still a good time. His dad was a good time to be out on the boat with. Uh Took us back, kind of back in the, I don't know, back in the docks back there and picked off fish along, yep. amongst the docks and stuff. But, yeah, it was a good time. But just want to, one other thing to touch space on, go back a little bit. Uh, when we were talking about how we're seeing these big tournaments, how it's affecting the size of the fish in the Cornelian Clear Lake. Yeah. One thing that's kind of been cool to witness growing up firsthand is the Five Island Lake in Emmitsburg. Um, I didn't get to fish it the first couple years, but my partner Shaylin did. And, you know, that was kind of like what Cornelia is right now. It's all, it was all those three to five inch dinks. You know, nobody liked to fish it because it was so dinky. But they held that tournament, you know, to increase pressure. And now I honestly think that Five Island is a better yellow fishery than Clear Lake is right now. I mean, you really didn't have to give that away, but I do appreciate it. Well... (laughs) It could use the pressure. That, there you go. There you go. Yeah, it's that's an invasive the invasive species. Go that, after them. That's the interesting thing about yellow bass is, yeah, you like you say, you, it could use the pressure to keep that that balance in check as yep. well. So you're not nearly as coveted about keeping those lakes under Correct. wraps. And, you know, as much as I would love to help guys out, you know, with a crappie bite or a cantfish bite, you know, lakes just cannot sustain that yeah. kind of pressure. That that's and the it, that's the bite you're not giving away. Correct. And, <laughs> you know, it sucks, but I just. I've seen it, you know, too many times firsthand of what happens when a lake gets yep. exploited and then. Yep, that's come up a couple times there. We've chatted about that. That's more, more to come on that. But, 
Yeah, that's definitely something where in the age that we live in now, especially local lakes, you know, it's really easy to blow yep. something up and yep. and people, yep. you know, may have good intentions or they don't think about it or whatever. Yep. And all of a sudden you got people from out of state coming in and, you know, just everybody and their brother trying to fish one spot on one lake and for one fish. Yep. So, Correct. So. And I mean, between you know, how small of lakes ours generally are in northern Iowa, mm-hmm. in combination of, you know, the age of social media and, you know, live scope and these new electronics, better gear. You know, I just don't think these fish populations for the most part can keep up with our technology right now. Definitely. Yeah, so uh, that kind of fed nicely into my next thing I wanted to talk about a little bit. So you mentioned like Five Island, mentioned like Clear Lake. So these these are lakes that have, I would, for all intents and purposes, have their yellow bass populations in check, I guess, where they're they're actually starting right. to grow and you can get some decent size to them. Um, where do you start looking in structure? Like where lake-wise, what am I looking for to find a yellow bass? Or is there anything? Is it just kind of a random, random deal? It, so that's... I had a whole paragraph in my uh, Word doc here typed up all about that. And, Sweet. You know, back in the Clear Lake A-Day, seven to nine feet of water on sand for Clear Lake or you know, maybe a little deeper, like nine to 11 foot out in the mud basin is kind of the typical place you can see them hang. Yeah. And th- that lake has changed so much the last five years and continues to change so much that we're really not seeing a consistent pattern for yellows. Um, hmm. you know, we're seeing yellows out there anywhere from you know, 24 feet deep in the dredge cuts to three feet up on the weed line. Jeez. Hmm. Um, I think a combination of, you know, these low yellow numbers to start on top of the growing vegetation and the perch numbers are yep. one of the main factors contributing to this. Hmm. And the yellows we are seeing out there, I mean, especially on live scope, you know, we're not seeing these 50 foot schools of say seven to eight inch yellows that aren't quite at the top of the food chain yet. We're seeing pods of maybe dozens of yellows dozens being generous probably closer to you know 15 to 25 yellows just in a tight pod but when you catch them they're nine to you know maybe 11 inches yep. 12 if you're lucky but i think these yellows are you know, going from being in the middle of the pack to now being i want to say an apex predator but being higher up on that food chain yep and they're roaming these tighter smaller ponds now so when you're when you're catching that when you're seeing them in those smaller pods, are they really roaming a lot, or are they kind of holding holding tight in in uh, in into a small area? Oh, it kind of depends on what they're what it's on. Typically, if it's like a break line or a kind of a structureless basin, they're roaming. But if it's yep. a weed line or maybe a divot, an inside turn, or if there's something that's keeping them there, they're typically they'll typically hold there. Yeah. As far as, you know, if I were to send somebody to look for yellows on Clear Lake right now, my best advice would be mobility right now. I mean, I know guys are catching them in all kinds of sections of the lakes and different depths, different areas, and there just isn't really a consistent pattern that they're following right now to kind of go after. Be ready to look anywhere is what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. And uh, that was going to bring me into last year, YBB. Um, the area that we actually fished tournament hours last year, I would have never guessed in a million years had yellows. Hmm. I found it earlier in the week. I was just trying to kill time. There is no reason the fish should have been there. I'm just thinking, let's just try this dead water. Can you know, crust off the map? Went up there, dropped the live scope, and boom. Sure enough, there's a 40 foot school of, you know, I thought they were white bass for a minute. The marks were so big and dropped down 10 inch yellow. And 
got a pretty good smile on my face. Dang. Cool. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so so talk us through your strategy for breaking down a tournament like YBB. I mean, you can go through your your strategy last year or give away whatever whatever info you'd like or feel comfortable with, but kind of talk about maybe your setup too on what what your tournament setup looks like versus your going out having fun fishing setup. Or maybe they're the same. Tournament fishing generally it's just you're trying to eliminate as much water as possible and gather information. You're looking for, you know, what kind of general depth or structure or contour, whatever those fish are on, that's what you're looking for. And you're looking for areas they're not on. So normally that first day, my goal is to as many different kind of types of structure, contour, depths, what have you, and figure out what they want, what they're on. Yep. And then go back the next day and hit every single area that kind of mimics that. And then look for nearby, kind of nearby structure to where you just found them. Look for an area where they might push out to. If they're not there on game day, where could they be? Where are they going to move to? Because they likely, likely haven't there. gone far. Is that what you're thinking? Correct, Correct. yeah. Generally, they don't go far. I mean, we've had days we can't find them on game day, but a lot of times, you have fish, you saw them pre-fishing, they just split off to one side or the other, yep. and they went to the inside turn or just farther down that break line. Hmm, nice, cool. Awesome. Talk talk a little bit about your gear setup, because I w- as far as, you know when uh, when Brett and I met you uh, at the the Iowa State tournament, you were fishing some pretty cool rods um, out there on Clear Lake. Yeah, I think you were fishing a lot of snares and running a sweet snowmobile, the whole setup. Yeah, and a nineteen eighty nine blue snowmobile, if I remember right. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're well. Hopefully, have a next a new sled this week, and we're in the process of getting another sled by YBB. But I um. <laughs> uh, gear-wise rods um for yellows my favorite rod is a 32 inch bull whip but again it comes down to what you're confident with yeah. um the iconic mag light 32 inch is another great one uh the plan meat stick right yellow rod i'm looking for a medium light rod that has that quick little tip that transitions quickly into a backbone yeah with that being said that's my preference and i know adam trevon who got second in the ybb last year that guy's a yellow bass catching machine, and he runs a walleye rod for his yellows, and that that works for him. It's what he likes, and so that just gives him a little more. Whatever you're most that's got more stiffness on the tip. Is that what you're talking? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Cool. But rod wise, that's what I do. Um, I like to run three pound fluoro for my yellows, just so it has a little more. I can kind of horse them a little more, and not have to worry about them breaking off. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, generally I'm running a bare spoon. I feel like if you wiggle, wiggle it the right way, you don't need any bait at all, and you're not worrying about having to rebate. <laughs> That's and a pro tip. It doesn't happen much, but it has happened a few times where tipping your spoon with the wrong bait will not work. Mm-hmm. And an example of this was two YBBs ago. My dad was absolutely kicking my butt, just one after another, and I could not buy a bite to save my life. And we had and then the same spoon, the same spot, the same school of fish. And finally, I figure out he's running white spikes, and I'm running mixed. So I have white and red on. Oh. I thought it was the dumbest thing. I thought there was no way that that's going to matter. I took my red spikes off my hook, dropped down, and sure enough, I'm just whacking them. Boom. I will never in a million years understand why a red spike deterred them that much. But for whatever reason, that day it was all the difference makers. So would they, would they come and look? 
and not bite, yep, or they, they just lug, look they, and turn yep. off? Yep, they come, they chase it all the way up. Yep. Just when you think they'd smoke it, you just see that line slowly going back That's down. That's the most, absolute and most frustrating part. Yep. <laughs> and from then on, and then I found out that the guys that won it, uh, Eric Meyer and his wife, they were running Bear Cast Masters. Dang. And so... You know, and that's actually what I ran last year when I won it was a bear cast master. Not that I think it couldn't have been one of any other bait, but yeah. just that confidence running a bear spoon is what I prefer. So do you do you run bear spoons reason. often for other species or is that kind yep. of a unique deal? Uh crappies too. Yeah. I just kinda of started to get into crappies this year. I know uh, Matt Johnson from Clam, that's kinda of been his thing is running that bear pinhead minnow. Yeah. And you know, I was pretty hesitant to try it and it could work and sure enough. It, I'm finding myself having better success some days with the bear spoon versus tipping it. Really? Man. See, that that's and where I think, it, you know, I, in ice fishing tactics, it's always the new thing, right? The new thing might be yep. taking a couple steps back and saying, okay, let's remove something now. Okay, fish are kind of used to seeing, you know, spoons tipped with waxies or spikes, and let's take that away and see what it does. Man, I'd have a hard time <laughs> doing that. That's cool. <laughs> and I mean... If for whatever reason they don't want the bear spoon, you know, then I might try to tip it when, you know, cut bait yeah. or either a white or a red spike and kind of play around with that factor. And if, if they really don't want that, then I'll downsize to a four or five mil jig with a spike. But generally nine times out of 10, they'll hit that bear spoon. So you're not trying the bear jig yet? Generally, no. Um, <laughs> growing up, there was one jig I had in my box. I think this was just dumb luck that I ran that thing a whole day bear. And I whacked the yellows, and I swore oh, up and nice. down by this jig. It was a Fire Tiger 4 mil Kenders jig. <laughs> and I, I, I think the fish were just stupidly aggressive one day, and that's the only reason they hit it. Yep. And I never got them to go again on that jig. I tried it and tried it and never got it to work. But there was one day where I whacked them on a bare jig and was beyond proud of it. But, <laughs> again, I think it was just super, super aggressive fish one day. Yep. Nice. Dang. Well, yeah, at least... With that, you know, you can't feel like, well, I didn't have that that day, or I forgot this, or I didn't have, you know, I didn't have the right bait. I'm like, well, shit, you're not putting any bait on there now. <laughs> can't mess that up. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Hmm. Another question I had for you, Brady. So what kind sure. of things um, would you recommend for a new angler getting into yellow bass fishing? Um, you know, someone that maybe has never been, where, where should they start? What should they start looking for? Um, what should they be doing to, to go after yellows? For yellow specific, I would focus on getting a quality ice suit and a quality auger because with yellows, the name of the game is mobility. I mean, you can, sure you can shack fish yellows and catch some fish, but realistically, if you want to maximize your catch rate, you have to be out running and gunning out in the elements, no shack, the reliable auger that you can go and just drill all day with. Hmm. And those are my main two things. Because realistically, you can catch a yellow with any rod. You know, they, most of the time they're aggressive enough that you can detect that bite on most rods. I would not worry too much about getting a rod or you know, certain baits or anything, anything. I'd be focusing on being able to keep up with the fish and stay on the fish. Um, a flasher obviously is very important. Um, live scope helps a lot, but big big chunk of change right there yep so so how how long have you been running live scope or did you start with pan optics and switch to live scope or what was that experience like for for you um i started running live scope last season 
Uh, the season before it, we tried a PS22 actually on Don Williams. We saw you guys, and oh, yeah. there's so much shad in that lake yep. that we could not tell the difference between crappies and shad. This was also, you know, the first time we ever used it, so we didn't know how to read it the best either, utilize it to its full potential. Yep. But we were actually turned off the Panoptics the first season, did not think it was worth it. And after competing against a couple teams that had live scope and could actually read their guys that were fine-tuned to PS22, we knew we needed it to compete in the league we wanted to fish in. Tried it last year, and it's it's been a game-changer. Yeah, since you since yeah. you've had experience with both the PS twenty two and the live scope, what would be what would be the the your, your biggest differences? Is it just clarity, or what what do you see in there? For me personally, I would say clarity and being able to judge fish size and fish okay. species. I Ooh, mean, you, okay. it, it's pretty hard to tell the difference between a bluegill and a crappie. Oh, definitely. You know, some guys some guys have fine tuned it and are way up past my pay grade. They might know a little better than I do. But for me, I'm, I can judge a size of a yellow bass if it's a dink or if it's a wire yeah. on a live scope. I can tell if it's a school of little perch or a tight pot of yellows with a live scope. Dang. Um, so when that the difference between I mean, when that's your business, on. you know, you're uh, you know tournament fishing or whatever. You're specifically targeting a species, but for someone that's just going out fun fishing or whatever, maybe not necessarily targeting a specific species. It's not quite as big of a deal, probably. Correct. Yeah. If the PS22, for the most part, it does everything the live scope does. I think it's, I mean, it's a game changer just to have the PS22 alone. Yep. The only thing I don't like as much the PS22 is if you're in a situation fishing, uh, brush piles, oh, yeah. weeds, any kind of structure, it, it just kind of comes off as one big blob. And yep. You might be able to fine tune that a bit because, again, I don't have a whole lot of experience with it, but when I did use it, it I could not effectively use it in those areas yep now yep. if you're chasing two of you know schools of yellows or basing crappies or even just running it down to you for walleyes i think it's an amazing tool yep hmm interesting okay yeah i mean that's i would i would probably tend to 100 percent agree with that so uh, this is a burning question that i've had for for you um and <laughs> this would be for you know, any, any kind of guide types, because it just, it's very interesting to me to find somebody where you pay them to take you out to show you how to fish, where to find fish. Um, you know, there's lots of different people that, that do that, of course, which helps make your business successful. But, uh, do you have any memorable guide stories? You're out on the yes. water with somebody and you know, something crazy happens or they're a little bit off or, you know, just something interesting that just sticks out in your mind from any any of your guiding days when you're, you know, back in the old days, this past weekend, any of it. That is a good one. Um, <laughs> the, the one that probably sticks out the most, I'm probably forgetting a bunch of them, but I had a little kid with me, and then this was actually the first, I think it was the second trip I ever took, and then two winters ago, we were out chasing yellows up at Five Island, and he actually, I mean, the kid... You know, as a kid, what he wasn't the best at fishing. Obviously, as a kid, you know, I was helping him out a lot, and mm-hmm. he ended up hooking in to like a 22-inch walleye. Cool. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, there's no way this is going to happen. You know, I'm trying to hold it to the best of my ability, and he's wanting to do it all on his own, which is awesome. <laughs> in the back of my head, I'm thinking, oh, I'm just hoping this doesn't break off because I've 
the kid just reeling it in a million miles an hour and horsing it. <laughs> I'm trying to help him out, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, I do not want to see disappointment on this kid's face. And he managed to land it, and I was beyond impressed with him. And just the look on his face catching that fish was just awesome. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, and, and that's something really interesting. How, how old was the kid? I want to say like six or seven. Wow. So not much one. younger than you at the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty impressive to have that kind of, yeah, skill to, to get that walleye in. Or or just pure luck. Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe it was around yeah. a schoolie and some schoolie line. In, no matter what. <laughs> that's cool. Nice. Awesome. So, so you've been guiding a few seasons now. Do you feel like um, it's it's getting a little bit easier as you go, or do the fisheries yes, keep I'll, changing and and it gets more complex, or you keep getting into more and more things? Oh, combination of both. Uh, definitely getting easier, just you know, getting that routine of it and getting the hang of it more. Um, kind of getting the hang of it would be how I'd describe it the best, I guess, of getting that shack set up, going out, scouting, finding the pod, and then moving everything over as quick as possible is kind of the big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, fish fish move fast, and trying to keep clients on that is the hardest part, especially, you know, when they'd rather sit in a shack and have a few cold ones. Yeah, so you're kind of out there scouting while they're, while they're fishing. So right. Normally I'm out, yep, normally I'm scouting and trying to get them on the fish, move them to the fish. Yep. Is there is there instances where where you're just pounding the fish and you can't get a, a customer to catch a fish to save their life? It's happened more times than not, <laughs> but normally it normally after an hour it all works out. Yeah, they start to normally it out. the and that I should have worded that better earlier on. That first hour of the guide trip is the biggest. That's the biggest part of it is getting them familiar with what they have to do, how to jig it, how to all the little ins and outs of what they have to do and teach them that first hour so that way they can utilize and process that information for the remaining half of the trip. Yep. Well, Ben, you got anything else for him? Oh, that's, that's really cool. Uh, you know, definitely some, some good info there, Brady. I appreciate that. Um, where can, uh, where can people find you? Yeah. So, if they want to book a guide, yeah, if they want to book Brady. a guide service with a you know, guide trip with you, uh, where do they get a hold of you at? Um, either my personal Facebook page, Brady Black on Facebook, or they can go through Tempe's Guide Service on Facebook and shoot Alex a message and you can book a trip with him or request me and Shaylin. Nice. If you, see a spike in, if you see a spike in uh, catfish folks wanting to get out, that's probably from our show. Yeah, we got people fired <laughs> up about catfish in here. <laughs> They're diehards, man. <laughs> we had a couple of good catfish bites this last two years. Do you pull? I know there's some real monsters out there in Clear Lake. Do you guys ever catch any of those through the ice, or is it mostly just kind of those mid-sized twenty-some inch fish? Oh, for Clear Lake, that's more so. I'd say mid-sized. Yeah. Um, there's some monsters out there, but at least me personally, I've never been able to target cats on Clear Lake. I haven't seen many guys do it either. Yeah. It doesn't seem there's a specific hole or area that they relate to and back in my head i'm thinking the deep dredge cut and yep. little lake or the deep pull up the island they should be in i just to ever find them there i'll run into them occasionally on you know farmers or baptist um all of our cat fishing is done in a couple of neighboring lakes to clear lake but mm, gotcha there's a couple of wintering holes on some nearby lakes that just get to be a blast to be yeah. well yeah i mean that's the deal about catfish if if they all stacked up in one spot on clear lake they'd be obliterated in about three days yeah now, Brady, if you had anything else you want to say, I think otherwise, I think 
uh, we'll wrap her up for the for the evening. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it, and hope I was able to teach a few people a couple things. Yeah, no, man, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, like I said before we started this, it's nice to actually have an expert on the on the show finally <laughs> after two years. Yep, <laughs> that's awesome. So, so you'll be at Yellow Bass Bonanza, and was that next yes, weekend? Sir. Sweet. Yes, sir. Next weekend. Awesome. Defending good. the title. Yep. Reigning champs. I'll be working hard for it. There's <laughs> there you go. Some really good sticks out there this year. Also looking for the title, so it'll be fun. Yep. Nice. It'll be a busy week for you, pre-fishing, getting everything ready, and yeah, best of luck to you guys. We'll That'd be watching be awesome. from the nurseries. They need to. They need to have that on ESPN. Just live stream ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> need to need to get the takeoff on ESPN. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> takeoff alone is worth it. Yep. Hmm. That's great. Well, thanks a lot, Brady. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me.